This is Tammy and Mike, and as we mentioned before, we're going to be bringing you a couple of interviews. Um, and so we have interviewed this week um, both Brittany Johnson and Jordan Rasmussen, who are running for Minnesota House of Representatives District 8A. It's like a huge I know, mouthful. it's a huge lot to yeah. say, but mm-hmm. anyway, yes. So we had a great time interviewing both of them, and we hope you enjoy listening. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's a little bit different than some of our other episodes, but I think you'll find it very interesting, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Is that what I'm doing? Yeah. All right. So we're we're back, um, and we are doing actually two. We have two guests this week, back to back guests. Um, you're yeah. you're smiling at me and like uh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh we have both the candidates for that are running for the Minnesota House District Eight. Did I get that correct? Eight A. A. Excuse me. Eight A. We're split a. into A and B. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of a long, skinny district. Is that? I don't think it is. It's not? Okay. It's more of a triangle. Just, wow. Well, I should probably introduce... You're starting off real so, good. So anyway, <laughs> today we have uh, Brittany Johnson, who is running uh, for her second... The second time around? Second time around. Second time around mm-hmm. um, as the Democratic... Now, you're not actually... So do you guys have the primaries? How does this work for you guys? Because, like, the Republicans... We used to, are you the actual person on the ticket? Well, so we are each going to be on the primary on ballot. On the primary ballot, which is in August... Eleventh, yeah. Eleventh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and is anybody running against no, you? No. So the only way that I wouldn't be the candidate is if there's a really competitive write-in candidate. Like a really intense one. Is yeah, there? Yeah. Is um, there one? I haven't heard of one. One hasn't <laughs> popped up. So I I would be surprised. I don't but you think... know, stranger things have happened right. in politics. It is 2020. <laughs> oh. So uh-huh. who the heck knows what's going right. to happen there? Yeah. Uh, so you're the mo- you are the what are we are calling the then the presumptive, presumptive yeah. Democratic nominee. Um, Jordan mm-hmm. Rasmussen is the also the re- presumptive. Republican nominee, and he will be, he's actually coming in tomorrow. Um, so we're going to talk with him. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to uh, have a little conversation. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> we just want to, so this this is what is easy, right? We just want to start by giving you a chance to introduce yourself to technically to us, but also our <laughs> listeners. Um, just give us a quick bio. Who is Brittany Johnson and like how you ended up here? And sure. why why the heck are you why on earth would you run yeah for 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 Minnesota Minnesota Congress Minnesota House of Representatives there you go it's you can say long. the Minnesota Legislature that's easier that's yeah. shorter yeah. it's still long well anyway yeah <laughs> the can... min the min ledge sure yes that's... oh don't do that never mind don't okay. do it okay <laughs> anyways no it's like a really popular hashtag so you get oh, somewhere with that min ledge okay. yeah oh yeah. wow I'm gonna write this down nailed it because we're like sort of on Twitter oh. Okay. As in, like, we have a Twitter account, yeah. and we suck at it. Well, if you minledge it, then someone will look at it, probably. Nice. Yeah. So, wow. Someone will look at, are you saying you'll at see least, it later? At least one view. Yeah. No, that's like we're all the reporters. Are you on Twitter? Stuff. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. What is your... What's your... My handle? Yeah. At Brittany for M-N. B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-F-O-R-M-N. Yeah. Brittany, Brittany, which yeah, I was corrected C. like eight times as we were writing this down. It's hard. I know. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> right. Brittany, take it away. Bye. Yeah. yeah. So my name is Brittany Johnson. And like you said, I am the DFL candidate for the Minnesota House of Representatives in District 8A for 2020. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Um, and 
I am really excited to be running again. So we ran in 2018 and it was really fun. I met a really, a lot of really awesome people and I learned a lot about my community. And so it makes sense. It made sense for me to run again. Um, so a little bit of my background is my family's originally from Barnesville, Minnesota. If you know where that is, yep. Potato Days, oh, um, yeah. Demo Derby. Yeah, a part, really important part of my childhood. Um, but I grew up down in Shoreview, which is a suburb of St. Paul. And then I was up here constantly because my family had a trailer on Big Cormorant, which is a lake in yep. Yep. Um, Becker County. And so I was up here all the time. And my aunt and uncle have a farm in Rolog, Minnesota, which is right next to the Western Minnesota Steam Threshers reunion. Whoa. Yeah. So is that, is that like a deep family lineage, the Rolog farm? Like, so it's, uh, it's technically we're married into that family. Okay. So, but they've been here since like the Vikings y- came. Yeah. Like of, yeah. Rolog is a town in Norway. It is also the word for like a, a little roll of yarn that you've carded on your wool carders. So I, oh. as a sheep farmer, I identify wow. with that very strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rolog is my, um, it's like my favorite place on earth. And so follow up questions for you guys is I would like to know <laughs> after this, like where your heart lives, because oh, um, like whenever I travel, my, my, like I always, my heart lives in Rolog. And so I want to go back there. So Aww. anyways, but so growing up in the shadow of the Western Minnesota Steam Threshers reunion, I don't think you can not be interested in farming or tractors or some combination thereof. And so I went, you know, I, I loved it up here. So I went to the university of Minnesota and I studied plant science because I wanted to be a farmer. And then I moved up here and I started working at the East Otter Tail Soil and Water Conservation District doing irrigation scheduling. And then I bought my farm, and now I have 20 sheep. You literally is... bought the farm. like Not my family's farm. Okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. Bought a farm. So the reason I ended up in Underwood, Minnesota, is because there's affordable land there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know. You know. Sure. Uh, yeah. The land to the north and west is, like, very expensive. It's very good farmland. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, yeah. So that's why I ended up there. And then, yeah, now I work at Cargill working at a corn mill, so in manufacturing, which is, like, when I was growing up, I wasn't like, oh, I'd love to be a manufacturing worker and wear a hard hat every day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I do now, and I really, really like it. So it's really fun. And when I'm not at work, I am hanging out with my sheep or my dog. So you live in Underwood. Yeah. And you work in Wapaton, which Wapaton. is, so Underwood's, how far is your farm? Underwood's 10 minutes from here? Uh, it's about a half hour. So you, from your farm to Fergus? Yeah. And then you drive another half hour to Wapaton. Yeah. So it's an hour it's commute. It's an hour commute. Yeah. Every way. Wow. Which is a... not uncommon for people who live no. here. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. not. Lots of people drive over to Wapton. Yeah. I don't like driving. I don't go west of Lincoln. <laughs> oh. Here. I just, I like appreciate a good out west trip. And I get to do that every day. I go to nice. work now. Yeah. So it's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So was there a follow-up part of that question? Oh, probably. Well, the other piece was why are you running for office? Oh, sure. I think that... A lot of people are getting more involved because they see both um, the ways that our political system hasn't addressed problems and then also the opportunities that it it can be used to address those problems. And so I think, especially after the 2016 election, there were a lot of people who were really angry and spending a lot of their time on the internet. And I don't (laughs) think that that is a good out. That that wasn't you? Well, that was me. That was you, okay. I was like, oh, this isn't healthy. This isn't a good spot. (laughs) I need to do something else with my time. And so then I decided to run for the state house, and that was a much better use of my time. Now I'm like, oh, I have something productive I can work towards. Um, I have policies I can propose. One thing that I was really excited about last, last time I ran 
was that I campaigned and I talked to a lot of people about the pharmacist gag law, which prevented pharmacists from like recommending different types of generic medications to their customers. Oh, and then yeah. I was really excited to see that actually got passed. I got changed. Yeah. Wow. In, yeah. In the next session. So I was like, you know, even though I didn't win, I campaigned on an idea and it became part of what we now have in That's Minnesota. Cool. And so like, you don't have to win to make a difference. I mean, I would love to win. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like, right. um, you can still make a difference just by like being out there and like holding people accountable. And did you, when you ran the first time, did you, was that something you did on your own or was that, what did somebody recruit you yeah, how so did that I mean, you just like really awesome people oh. that helped um jane stock and cornell walker who cornell had ran for district judge down in texas and then they moved up here because their daughter lives here in fergus falls and because texas well i mean <laughs> never mind texas it's very nice there <laughs> we like you it has enduring qualities you know sure it's yeah big. yeah um it has a lot of never mind yeah so anyway, they they talked to you about it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And then they asked again. And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. That's a crazy idea. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And then I actually watched Danica Roam win in Virginia. Do you know who she yes. is? I, the name mm-hmm. sounds familiar, but I think I'm thinking of the uh, the the car driver. But anyway. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Different person. I don't know a lot of Danicas. Different so. Danica. Yeah. yeah. So she was in Virginia, and she ran on, like, fixing a road in her district, and she oh. got elected, but she was also the first transgender mm-hmm. house, or I guess it's house assembly member in Virginia, and maybe in the United States, like, mm-hmm. openly trans. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? If she can do it, I think that I can do maybe it. I Obviously, do it. I didn't I didn't win the first time around, no. but um, she was like, she gave me the gumption to go do it. And then I went, and I opened my bank account, and here we are. There you are. That's... <laughs> That's like how we started a podcast. We're like, right? we should start a podcast. Let's I don't do know, it. get an app, okay. whatever. We'll just hit record and see where it goes. And all of a sudden, now you're your second time around. You're like a seasoned campaigner. Yeah, it's uh, much easier this time. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Because you like have, you know, you've met people. You have built relationships. You have a network. Yeah, I have a network. Whoa. Um, you already have ideas and things that you'd like to see changed. And... I think, yeah, it's been really good. I think that one of the other really good things about running for office is that it helps you appreciate people, even though they may not agree with you, mm-hmm. which is a really important lesson that I learned last time. Oh. Yeah. So I was, you know, pretty gung-ho on a lot of liberal policies, and, I'm, and I, I still am on some, a lot of them, but, like, now I'm more open to hearing what other people have to say and coming up with collaborative solutions that where everybody feels included and heard. Whereas before I may not have been as open. So that's great. Where, where do we get some of that? Where like, right. where like when you put, <laughs> when, you, when you put something out there and people come at you about it, you're like, oh, well, maybe I should listen to you. Because mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, I think more typically we just, that would just entrench more people. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I think if you were trying to earn somebody's um, respect, you might respond to their ideas differently. So I suppose that respect you, and yes. trust. Yeah. When you're when you're trying to get their vote, you actually need something from them. I mean, not, right? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, like, if you just like meet somebody on the street and you're like, I I think we should yeah. do this, and they say you're dumb, you're like, whatever. Yeah. But if you actually are trying to get anyway. Well, I mean, that's your job, right? As a representative, to right. like represent the people in your district, right? All of them, not just the people that agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like try and be a voice and work in their best interests, mm-hmm. and so you have to listen to them about what they think their best interests are sure and believe them when they say what they say yeah so. 
Okay, so that leads me into um, in our first maybe question. Um, I asked like twenty of them. Well, already right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I, you guys didn't answer mine. Which oh, was, oh no, your heart? Yeah. Are you kidding? I'm gonna stall on that forever because no. like that's you don't horrible. know where your heart lives. My mm. my thing is definitely it's by the, the water. By I, the water. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, it can be the lake or the beach or whatever. But mm-hmm. I just you don't care which water though. Well, not a swamp. Have, not a swamp. Well, I mean, okay. like, do you have a, like a, a smattering of waters that are important? Sure. So, like, um, I <laughs> sure. Wow. Um, I have. I lived on Long Lake, just north okay. of town. Um, mm-hmm. I like that I'm pointing, and yeah. I don't even know what direction that is. Anyway, um, I'm. I live. Yeah, good. I was right. Yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> Nobody lived, listening has a freaking clue no, what's going on right now. Um, so I grew up there, so that probably, yes, but also, like, the ocean, yeah. I just feel really, like fresh and salt water. Yeah, You don't yeah. need to pick one. No, kind of I just really, the water is calming for me, and that's my that's awesome. my happy place. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to. a good thunderstorm, like, just water. <laughs> yeah, water's good. I love water, too. And it, don't copy me, Mike. I do. I love Your water. Your heart can't live in the same place. I... I <laughs> I, I just have a heart for Minnesota in general, mm-hmm. and I've lived in Fergus my entire life, left a little while and came back or whatever, but uh, for the most part, I've been here my whole life, and I love to travel, and I love going other places, whether it's by water or mountains or wherever, but there's, especially when you do like car trips, there I, there's a place all of a sudden where like, especially in the summer, it just smells right. There's like a certain mixture of... Moisture and dirt. <laughs> I don't know how to explain so it. Your but heart yeah. lives in the dirt. And, so. not, and like no. and like the 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 atmosphere, the air has a certain like thickness to sure. it. Sure. I don't know how. So just Minnesota in general, but okay. like Fergus so probably, I guess. Is, but summer is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the winter, but mm-hmm. no, that's Great. a tar- wow. I know awesome. that's isn't it? Oh, no, I sense. like it. Wow. I like it. You guys had different answers. Usually people are like, um, North Carolina. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. No, I have like, never, I have visited Southern lots of places California. where we've I've been like, I could maybe live here, but like, not really. Like, we talk about like, could we ever move? And I would love to move, but I have no, I would never, how would I pick the place? Plus, this is where my people are. So mm-hmm. I have family here. Mm-hmm. I have, you know. It's hard to be away from I don't have the roll log. Like Viking story, but like, <laughs> I mean, technically my family's from Fargo Ooh. two generations ago. So my kids are from Fergus now. My dad moved here, then I was born here, and then I had kids. So anyway. It's okay. Whole, you have a legacy. You're here now. We got to keep going. We do. Okay. Nice job though. Do you really? That was good. <laughs> I'm glad that you remember this is, the question. Is this how you do it on like a rope line? You like. What's with, a rope line? Well, that's. Sorry. Like when you're meeting people on a campaign, you don't have rope lines. They have like in. I absolutely you don't know want other line? people to talk about themselves. Yeah, you're like you're right, exactly. Nice yeah. job. Like, throw you, it back and to then them. They, they walk away and they're like, "Wow, Brittany, she she, she really about gets me." me. I, she I like me I want to listen to what people have to say. That's great. That's great. Okay, we can. Okay, next so question. <laughs> let's move. <laughs> <clears throat> We're on question two. two. <laughs> okay, so um, when you yes, just talking about um your kind of transition from like this is staunchly what I believe to like being open to hearing what other people have to say. Um so I found it was interesting when I was looking at your website. Um oh yeah we read it. We oh we yeah we of Great. course mm-hmm. one of like <laughs> four like, people. Yeah. <laughs> I clicked on her a um, bunch of times to try to get the rankings up. Just kidding. Oh, no you didn't. No. 
Um, but I was like, oh, it sounds a little bit more like middle of the road. And some of the story even sounded a little bit more Republican. Which part which is more the story? She's looking at me because I'm like, you have to ask that question because I didn't read it that way. You said part of it. Well, part of it. I, I, and I'm not really sure what struck me that way. Maybe, maybe it was like the, the farming background or like, you know, just that kind of thing. I'm not really sure what struck me and why that, why that struck me. But just hearing you say that, I'm thinking maybe that, maybe that's why I'm reading it more kind of central than like uber liberal. Like, you know what, does that make sense? How you said you kind of moved away from like preaching about that and kind of being more open to what other people said. Um, so just Along that line, what kind of, um, how did you come to identify yourself as a member of the Democratic Party? Like, what, what made you say, like, this is my camp, this is... Sure. Um, that's an easy question for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I was growing up, um, you know, my family struggled a lot with mental health issues and addiction problems. And so that was always, like, the center of my life. And the one place I could get away from that was at school, mm-hmm. my public school. Yep. That was like what saved me. I was at school all the time. I intentionally stayed at school longer. I did everything I could to do well in school because I knew very, very deeply in my heart that it was kind of the way out of my situation. Mm -hmm. And so I was not a, I was not necessarily a Democrat then. um, But then I did, I was able to go to the University of Minnesota largely due to like a um, scholarships and then also to state and federal grants and so that's what allowed me to get my first job um and i think that the importance of education can't be like understated because it allowed me to get out of a really bad situation mm-hmm. and for me it's pretty clear that the democratic farmer labor party in minnesota is the one that emphasizes um funding education and the success of students mm-hmm. for me sure that's like what it really was. And then, you know, growing up in kind of an odd situation like that, you have like a very <laughs> strange but lovely assortment of like bizarre outcast <laughs> friends, you know, that can like understand where you're coming from. Um, I also had like really great like normal friends too. But and so doing that, like and being around those people, you know, you, you get to know people who are poor, people who are not white, people who don't necessarily identify as straight. Mm-hmm. And those are your friends and those are your people and they supported you and life was really hard. And so like my job is to make sure that, um, you know, they have the same opportunities that I did and that they are also safe wherever they choose to live. Mm. And so that's the other reason why I'm a part of the democratic former labor party. So well, yeah, I like it. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Would you say then that like you're more motivated by like protecting those things that you identify as, as priorities? of uh the dfl or like moving the ball forward does that make any sense at all you mean like maintaining what like like you're talking about yeah like uh public schools funding grant you know grants the programs that that helped you get to where you you know to get out of the place like um is it more of a motivator like i I don't know i'm just wondering like yeah to, to protect those things and expand them or is it like to to go even farther than that. It's definitely to protect them. So we've seen like education funding drop like precipitously ever since 2003. It's been really bad on a per pupil basis, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. like we've seen that happen. Um, so it's very much about um, protecting it because we've seen it drop off. It's also about making sure I'm, I, 
I think that there are a lot of kids who don't have the same fortunes that I had. I grew up in a predominantly white and predominantly wealthy community. And so because of that, I had a lot of opportunity. And there are a lot of kids who are in a very similar situation to mine who don't have the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it is like my biggest, deepest desire that children who grow up in situations like mine have a chance to be successful and have a chance to find happiness and have a chance um, to, to grow up and with, without, you know, the desperation that I felt, you know, because in situations like when you're when you're when your mom is drunk, you, you feel and you don't know what to do. You feel very, very desperate mm-hmm. and you're trying to find solutions. And so, like, I really don't want any other 10 year olds to ever feel that way in their life. And they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any program that I can think of that would reduce the number of children who have to experience, um, you know, like trauma or homelessness because of addiction like i will do that i want more of the i want more More ideas and policies that will do that will address that problem so and that's the that's the one thing i learned about campaigning the first time is like (laughs) it's it's right now part of the problem that we have is like um people pick their party and they stick to it and Mm -hmm. so like their their party can change their position on something and the people Mm -hmm. go along with it right yeah and and i think it's because people have their their two or three issues that they feel very very strongly about and that's the party that they choose right you know and so um and and in order to build a coalition and be successful you have to care about the other things in your party too right Mm -hmm. but what's really important is we talk about the two or three things that we really care about and then can we compromise on some of the other issues sure you know on some of the other things so that's like that's like me my you know my top issues are making sure kids are fed and healthy that people get the mental health care that they need and that we have you know families that can support themselves i'm open to all sorts of solutions on those things Um, anything to get to that end yeah I i think i'd consider a lot of different ways to do that and 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 beyond that you know i'm open to a lot of other ideas yeah but those are my priorities. So that's great. Um, so we, we're in rural Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a map, if you look at an electoral map, it's super red. Sure. Like, I mean, basically, for the most part, we have the metro is blue and then like the rest of this. And, that, and that's like nationwide. Like you it can, is nationwide. You know, so right. Rural so, means so red, we're, typically. We're in rural but... Minnesota. Um, how do you, from your perspective, like how can Democrat, I mean, you're trying to do it. Like, how do you become viable, like, in rural how Minnesota? How does the party, yeah. Like, how does a Democrat at, at win? Once we were, right? I mean, right. at one point, I we mean, were yeah. extremely you, viable. We're the Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Right. Like, we, we're <laughs> built be. out here, you right. know? Um, but obviously, that's not the case anymore. I want to share my fun fact, which is that <laughs> CD7 in Minnesota, Congressional District 7 in Minnesota, is the only congressional district in the United States that is predominantly ELCA Lutheran or Evangelical Lutheran. Protestant Lutheran. Something about Lutheranism. Some, there's some I'll get the yeah. I'll get the fact. Get <laughs> but it's not right now. Sure, but I, I <laughs> no, it's like the only is. one where like the only congressional district where people are predominantly Lutheran, and that's like my really fun fact. Because that's so weird. Everyone here, everyone, I just assume everybody's Lutheran. Apparently, they're not across no, the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't do that. Anyways, um, your quite back to your question. <laughs> yeah. How do DFLers um yeah become successful in yeah. districts like this? Um. <laughs> so oh my gosh i think first of all we have to actually care about the people who live here and their ideas i don't think that the party has done a great job of doing that Hmm. Um, and when you say the party you mean like you're speaking of the minnesota Minnesota, dfl yeah unfortunately i just because we're the only dfl 
party, like Minnesota is the only Democratic farm labor party, right? Yeah, it is. Which I, that's sort of like the Lutheran thing. Like growing up here, I just thought all Democrats were DFL Democrats. Yeah, yeah. And what exactly is the difference? Between a Democrat and a Democratic farmer labor? Yeah. Well, we had two parties that needed to join to build a coalition back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Got it. That's the difference. That's it. Yeah, and we just kept it. We just kept it consent. Which is right, because like why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to be the Democratic Farmer Labor Party? I'd... That's way that's way better than being We're the gonna Democratic. ask Jordan that tomorrow. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Yeah. I know they're trying to like have a a GOP equivalent, but it's not the same. Like yeah. it's not the same. Like our roots the Democratic Farmer Labor Party's roots are out here. So So you need to so, care about the people yeah. that you that are out here. That's... Yeah. You need to address the issues that they think are important. Um, and I, I think that's really the key. I don't think there's not <laughs> Wait a minute, that sounds really here. easy. Sounds, and like yeah. everybody should do that in all the places. Care about the people you represent and uh, talk about the issues that they care about. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm not suggesting that other <laughs> candidates write this down. Haven't haven't Top secret done that, but I mean, it, you have to like put the work in. You have to put the work in. You have to go and talk to people. You can't just assume that they're going to be for you. Sure. And I think that that's a huge mistake that we've made. Okay. And so each time we go out and talk to people, it's a reminder that, yeah, we do care about what you think. And I want to hear your opinions. And so. How do you get past, like, the, um, we've talked about political labels quite a bit in our lot. conversations. But how do you get past that when you're trying to talk to people, especially in rural areas? Like, um, some individuals might hear the word Democrat and think, some you know rather negative associations <laughs> yeah. with that like yeah. uber liberal you know like super i don't know what you're talking about that's a, yeah that's a, so how do you get how do you get past that with people who are well so my job is to like change that as a yeah. candidate right <laughs> yeah right. get to that that's not a super like that word doesn't have a super right. negative connotation and so i think the first thing is like i need to go in with an open mind right like if i go in thinking the same thing about people who are conservative then we're never going to have a productive conversation yeah um, but most people, we're Minnesota nice here. They don't ask me what my party is right away. Interesting. So, no, interesting. people really don't. Huh. Um, and so it doesn't actually come up that often. So like, tip, just walk us through like a typical interaction, your campaign. Yeah, you, so we've been phone meet, banking been, this Okay, year. so you've been phone banking because yeah. we're not knocking on doors necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there's not, no, no parades. There's no fairs. That's a whole other question. I just skipped a whole other. I was going to say, like, we're going to talk about anyway. But, like, what is that when you're talking to somebody then? You, when you phone bank, are you cold calling people? I'm cold calling people. Holy moly. Yeah. So I get, you know, we have a registered voter list from the Minnesota Secretary of State. Well, their phone numbers. Right. Yep. And so I get a name. That's and a publicly. You, anybody, yeah. I could get that if mm-hmm. I wanted to. It's like $35 for our I'm not going to get it now. Okay. That's well, $2 million. You, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you, it's an, it's, if you want. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know. Anyways. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm cold calling and how it goes is I go, hi, my name is Brittany Johnson and I am a candidate for the Minnesota legislature in District 80 this year. And I was just calling to see if you had any issues that you wanted to see addressed at the state legislature next year. I love that so much. Yeah. And by not saying like, hey, I'm running as the Democratic candidate, like you're not so you getting people hanging up on you You don't mention your party. Uh, I will if they ask. No, no, no. But I mean like yeah. in the intro, front. you yeah. just are, I'm running as a candidate. Yeah. And then you ask them a question. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Wow. Did somebody, did that you, did you come up with yeah. that? Yeah. You came up with yeah. that. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's really effective. And then if they say, no, I don't have any questions, then I say, do you have any questions for me at all? 
And then usually, because it's a cold call, they don't. But then I always say, well, this is my phone number, and you can call me back if you think of one. Wow. How many times do you get called back? Not very often at all, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So we leave my, like, I like to leave my phone number on when I miss people at their doors. And, like, very few people actually call me back, which is kind of sad. But it's just that picking up the phone thing now. I you know, all right, I'll, so you I'll get, text you, like, back. you get a hot one. Somebody, yeah. somebody was like, well, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, what I kind of, and how does that go? Yeah. So I'll be like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. <laughs> so like, yeah, most, most recently, I mean, this is like maybe slightly controversial, but I had somebody who was really concerned about whether or not people were using their Minnesota care benefits properly. You know, they felt like they work in the healthcare system and oh. they're like, I see people like, they're like, um. I can't always get my medical needs or the medical needs of my family met with my health care. Sure. But I work with people who get a lot of their medical needs meet, met with their health care. Which is Minnesota care. Yeah. Or some version of it. And so they're like, I don't understand. Like, that makes me frustrated. Well, that's, those aren't the words that they use. No. Sure. But that's what I heard them saying, you know. <laughs> You know, like... Do you have, like, positivity scrubbers or something? <laughs> I love it. It's, yeah, like, it's all sunshine. I'm so pissed off and I hate all this stuff. And you're like, they sound uh, like they're very concerned about this and they would like to see <laughs> yeah. some action. Like, I can't blame you for being upset that you can't afford insulin for yeah. your child. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, that... And so that's the issue. People are usually mad about something. But you have to, like, hear what they're actually mad about. Sure. And and the, and it might... Act, and I think, in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's the fact that people don't have don't feel secure they don't feel like they have what they need to be healthy and protect their family so yeah and then i just listen my job is to listen and ask questions on that and like if and yeah and i never propose and i'll ask them if they have ideas about how that can be addressed and a lot of times they don't really. <laughs> they haven't really thought But about we can, that like, anymore. brainstorm them together. Sure. And I'll do that on the phone, too. Like, have you thought about this? Have you heard of this plan? Like, what do you think of the bill they just passed to make sure that there is a limit on how much people pay for insulin every month? Is that something you'd support? And, yeah, we talk through all that stuff. That's great. Okay, so since That's we're... Exhausting. It does sound like a lot of work. So good on you. Good for you. Yes. No, doing this has made me like respect the people that serve in public office. It really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So since we're talking about issues, um, what do you think are the biggest issues facing rural Minnesota residents right now? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, like number one, healthcare, mm-hmm. the affordability of healthcare, and access to healthcare. Yeah. It was the number one issue. It still is the number one issue in my opinion. I know that we hear a lot about a lot of other issues, which are also important right now. Mm-hmm. But that is what makes families feel insecure, and mm-hmm. um, it's also what affects me in, like, my daily life. You know, I <laughs> my story is that I sheared sheep, like, two months ago, and one of them decided to, like, bowl me over, and, like, he, she got my hand, like, really, really good, and it, like, still hurts, and it's been two months, oh. and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor, which is dumb, right? Yeah. Just go to the doctor and figure out what's wrong with my hand, but I haven't yet, but that is not an uncommon story right. yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. And, like, it doesn't hurt to wait a couple days to see if you really need to go to the doctor. But, like, if you need to go to the doctor, you need to go to the anyways. Yeah. Especially, yep. and I worked with farmers at the Soil and Water Conservation District. And they'd be walking around with bizarre things. I'm like, you should probably go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but they just didn't. Well, so that's, like. They're Lutherans. Yeah. Right. Maybe Lutherans. <laughs> Maybe. They're farmers. They're Vikings. They're Minnesotans. <laughs> so healthcare. Yeah, so healthcare, healthcare, number Sorry. one. Um, yeah, number healthcare, two, number like, one. just, like, wages and, like, having, making sure that, like, people who are working can support themselves. 
And that comes in a lot of different ways. Um, like if you're working like a nine to five, 40 hours a week, making sure that you, you can work that and support your family. Um, if you work seasonal jobs, like can you do that and also support your family? We have a lot of seasonal workers up mm-hmm. here. Um, we have a lot of seasonal businesses too. Um, and if you do have your own business, like are you able to hire people? Are you able to have some semblance of work-life balance? And if not, why not? How can we, how can we help people do that? Um, so that's really important. And then just making sure that we're like, the, the last one I think is really important and maybe not talked about enough, making sure we're like funding projects for the future. And in that, I include like education. I also include like infrastructure mm-hmm. and the infrastructure for our cities, transportation bills, um, water treatment plans, um, things like that. Because, like, I want to leave, leave a legacy, right? I think about, like, our interstate system and how cool it was <laughs> that the entire country decided to fund the construction of, like, a road system all across our state. And I'm like, wow, that's an awesome legacy to have. Like, you help people move and travel safely. And, like, I think if we were going to do that here, a, for my generation, a really awesome legacy would be to, like, figure out a solution to, like, our energy problems, you know? figure out a way to have to build energy infrastructure in a way that benefits everybody for like the long term like that's my legacy i want to leave so those are my issues yeah i like it wow okay um all right you mentioned healthcare. uh one of the, obviously the we're we touched on a little bit uh what are your thoughts on i'm gonna i'm gonna scrap national we put state national or i talk about national the okay. state good choice <laughs> we talked about it before Adam because like it's super easy when we have these conversations and it probably is even for you when you talk to people to drift into just sort of like macro pol- political ever. stuff I always pull them back they pull, it's good for you. pull them that, back I'm, I'm saying people in general <laughs> yeah. like that's where no, we're I like know. oh so uh, how do you, how do what are your thoughts on the state's COVID response. So like this whole oh pandemic. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time we've devoted to this issue, unfortunately. Yeah. We're bummer. really excited to have you here because it's different. It's not talking about Corona. No. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, don't no, like, I mean, and then what might have you done differently? Or like if you were in the legislature, like what, how would you, you know? Yeah. I think that a lot of the data coming out of a lot of the countries was appropriately concerning. We saw what happened with Italy, and it was, like, shocking. Right. And I think it was appropriate to be very cautious about what was going to happen here. Um, I also think that there are some trends that we we know now that can really inform our response, right? So we know that it's much more deadly for people who are older. We also know that um, it's largely respiratory and that there are things we can do to prevent the spread in, in a way that allows us to keep our economy open. Mm-hmm. And we also know that its impacts, um, I think, really hit rural and urban communities differently, mm-hmm. um, just based on like how many people get yep. together and are with each other. I also think it's um, a huge challenge because we didn't really have a good Unfortunately, we didn't have a good national response yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Easy. it's... We're, we're, don't drift. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't drift. But, I think but that affects the state response. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that it, if, if I could have done one thing differently, it would have been to try and localize the response a little bit better. And I know that's really hard to do across the state. But, you know, I was talking to some teachers 
about you know plans to reopen schools and there are some counties in minnesota that still don't have a single case right and so like are are there ways that we can you know um sort of take advantage of of how it spreads differently in different communities to like help keep people healthy also working um I also think it's really important to acknowledge that a lot of the people who are still working who haven't been exposed or who who are exposed more regularly are also low-wage workers. And I think mm-hmm. that that's um, something we have to recognize and acknowledge. So, yeah, I, I think it's really easy to critique a lot of people for their response, but we didn't know what the heck was going on, sure. you know. Up until now, we had relied a lot upon like the CDC and things that the CDC did. And that was not the case in this, in this um, pandemic. And I think that that's okay because it showed us that we have some holes that we need to fill mm-hmm. in future like disease responses. Sure. Um, but it really hurt us hard for this one. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about it. I think that it's probably going to get worse before it gets better here. <laughs> and I think that being cautious is a good idea. I also think that, Wearing masks is an easy way to yeah. prevent. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Just wear the damn mask. I was waiting for Tammy to j- jump in because she wants to ask everybody, mask or no mask? What's Where's your stance no, on the mask or no mask? Mask mandate. Like, should it? Oh, yeah. Mask mandate. Should it be required? Mask mandate? Mm. No mandate. Mm. You know what? I'm going to go. Ooh. I'm going to go with yes. Oh, there it is. Sorry. I you thought know, she was going to no, come up with like I, a clever, like, thread the needle. No. Like. Needle. I like that about you. You're not threading any needle. Um. I, no, but what was interesting. Wait a minute. She just mouthed an answer to me on the side. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see it. I believe she said I thread needles sometimes. Sometimes you do. Not not this time. Not this time. (laughs) But I do think when we talked, when we talked with the mayor of Fergus last week. Yes. Or two weeks ago. um, What he said was like. If that came from the state level, that would be so helpful for local communities. You know, at the local level, like they're looking for it to come from that state level, like and for local businesses, right? So many, so many cities are doing it. Um, But that he's saying, like, it would be easier for businesses. It would be easier for local, you know, um, councils or mayors or whatever if it just came from a state level. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so yes, I know a lot of people are, are really against them. But like I go to work every day, I have to wear all day long. Mm-hmm. You were do you, do you you didn't wear a mask before at work though, like before COVID? No. I'm just I don't remember what you do at co- like in a no, in a in a manufacturer in a cargo manufacturing plant. It wouldn't be weird to be masked in certain in certain, in certain areas. areas. Yes, yes. Sure. So sure. when COVID started, they Cargill said mask all the time. This is how it's going. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. And so uh, if it makes sense for them. Yeah. They must have done the numbers. <laughs> and it, it's, I it, just... They're doing... They're playing... D, a lot of... In my opinion, a lot of businesses are... They, they aren't doing it because they think it's going to work. They're doing it to cover their butt. Which is, yeah. which is also fine. Like, I'm okay with businesses doing that. But, like, anyway... So I don't think I don't think Cargill did the math and was like I don't think this is this is we've seen the science. Maybe Cargill and, is a company that actually cares about science. Oh my word! Did you say a nice thing about Cargill? This is going to be great because <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do a big egg episode and then wow, that's going to be, be good. Yeah, you can come back. <laughs> yeah, you can come uh, back and, and my farmer role. I know nothing about agriculture. 
Nothing. Okay. Speaking Sorry, of COVID, COVID. Yeah. Um, how has that affected the campaigning oh, experience? It's no fun at all. <laughs> Let's just be real. It's no fun at all. You should um, start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do like Facebook live videos or I did before like life got crazy and I started yeah. building a chicken coop and then I'm just, do you I remember you're running for the, the, the min ledge. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be doing side chicken, chicken coop projects. You no. Know, okay. I will Too tell you, things. I did not panic buy a single roll of toilet paper. I just panic bought chickens. Oh, wow. wow. So I go. actually know other families that, that have done the same. Very chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, but that's like a much lot, like more invested sort of panic yes. buy sure. that I'm still sort of working through. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, my favorite part last year was, or I always say last year. That's because ago. it's been four years. COVID <laughs> started four ago. years ago. Ever. Um, in 2018, like we door knocked every week. All the time, like three days a week, and we knocked on like thousands of doors, Ugh. and it was so fun. It was my favorite <laughs> way to talk to people. It's face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And now we can't do that, and I'm kind of like really bummed about it. So, are you when you say can't, you're choosing not to, right? Yeah. Like, there's not any rules anywhere that says you can't. I do guess it. technically the DFL party definitely frowns upon you door knocking. Really? Yeah. I would think, I was thinking about that, and I would think, like, door knocking could be still fine. Like, you just knock on the door and then back up six feet. So, like, I think about my immunocompromised family member. Okay. And whether or not I would want a stranger who had just previously talked to 30 people that day knocking on her door. Do I trust that person sure. to maintain that distance or not? That and I'd say, uh, no. Why would you do that? Don't do that. Don't. My, so. You have like a 10 foot stick. Well, we thought about that. Um, it just like is not worth it's the not risk. Worth okay. To okay. me. I think about what's the worst thing that could happen on my, in my campaign. We have to think about that at Cargill when we're doing like dangerous things. We're like, all right, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm like, oh, I get my arm stuck or something. Sure. But for me here, it's like one of my volunteers get hurt. Oh. And so like, if we think about that, can we expand that to. Are you hurting other people physically? That's the worst thing that can happen. So, like, giving somebody COVID would be a terrible thing to have happen, and we can prevent that, and we have alternative ways to reach people. Are they as effective? No. <laughs> would I prefer someone reach my aunt through mail? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, oh reach your aunt because, okay, got it. Yeah. I, I was actually just saying that to Mike. I haven't received anything in the mail from you. Oh, well, it's... We're not even close to the election. Not yet. yet. Okay. Yeah, no, no. We're, wait, we're oh, don't I, worry, it's coming. Well, I I did So you don't get, get all the stuff because I get all the Republican stuff and there oh, is nice. I got a like, Republican thing and like I was like, wicked why fight would you going say on that? for some of their stuff and so like for the for the primary. And so it, oh, my, oh my goodness. I love it. You <laughs> love to see it folks. <laughs> you like to watch it from oh, the outside. It's great. I'm so I'm like it's Dave Hughes, super, go Dave Hughes. Wow. It's very it's very interesting to what, and then there's Doctor, what's his name? Um, there's a doctor involved. Anyway. I just like Dave he Hughes has been running money. for Congress for like twenty years, for a decade. He spent a decade of his life, wow, doing this, and some. And so you're impressed by that? Has come up and just swiped that right out from under him. I do like the beard. I think the beard's a good change. <laughs> the beard was a good change. Yeah, I, agree. I, I dig the beard. Speaking of taking pictures in front of tractors, did we already talk about that? <gasps> no. Oh, never mind. We didn't that was talk. a side conversation. What? She wanted to know, uh, Tammy, what was your question? 
I wanted to know why these Republican. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right, why I told her she couldn't answer, answer this question, and now I'm like bringing it why up. Why they have <laughs> to take a picture in front of farm equipment or a farm? Like it's the culture. If you're not a farmer, and I told her, I said, really clearly you're not paying attention because all the Democrats are also in front of farm stuff. <laughs> and I look, pull up your webpage. I'm like, she's standing in a barn. She's actually a farmer. Yeah. Like, I do. I have put my true. arm up a sheep. And on a lot. <laughs> So like, wow! I know what that's wow. like. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was great. You're choking that's like on that a, one. That's like that. That should be a slogan of some kind. Mm-hmm. Like I can handle the min ledge. I if I can handle putting my hand up a sheep, <laughs> I can handle making sausage. Anyway, sorry. Oh dear. Wait, we got oh way dear. off. Way off. Mm-hmm. What it's were we talking about? The like the United States culturally, yes. Americans really value the independence that comes with being able to farm a, a just an incredible amount of food. Yeah. And farmers are, despite um, sort of how sometimes they feel, are generally well respected, and they are an important voting block, and so we cater to them, and myself. People don't pander to me because I only have 20 sheep, but I'm planning on getting bigger so that my influence will grow. Wow. So nice. They'll have to come to my house. <laughs> Take pictures you actually have a farm. question about farming. So Do I have a question about farming? Did yeah. I write that on it? Where yeah. did I put it at? Yeah. Oh, I did. I wrote a thing in there. Oh, yeah, because I said I wrote down your, your, that your campaign highlights your connection to farming in rural Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know, now you already told us, but tell us more about like what your farming connection is. Um, but what do you think that are the most important issues facing farmers in Minnesota? And what could the Minnesota state legislature do about it? Yeah, so my issues is like my yeah, size Yeah, because that wasn't farmer. on your three list. Your top three things were health care, wages. And do you know how many people would be farming full time if they had access to health care? I don't, I don't. A lot. Oh. A lot of people would make the jump if they could know that they would have health care. Interesting, yeah. That's, isn't that partially why so many farmers have... Second jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Or their wives work. Or they're right. So, yeah, that is like number isn't one that thing, thing connected. That we, don't, isn't that yeah. a, the wives working? Isn't that a DFL thing? We want that. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> you both she are just like, I'm just, I just got shame. I'm getting a shame Not engaging scowl. you in that. <laughs> well played. Yeah. All right. But the question is, but what the question can, is, what, what's the, what's the, what are some issues that face farmers? Healthcare. So, and, right. and what can, the and what state can the level legislator, yeah, legislature. Yeah, do so that's one thing, healthcare, and we can make. Well, so I think that the best thing that we could do is actually at the national level for a Medicare buy-in for fifty-five for people who are fifty-five years and older. So what it, for someone who's listening has no idea what does that mean, Medicare buy-in? So you get Medicare when you turn like sixty-five, 65 right? Or or some version some, of that if right. you're disabled, right. or you have an alternative option. There are different options, but so actually, Colin Peterson, who is our congressman in congressional district seven here in Minnesota, has advocated for a Medicare buy-in, where if you are 55, you can actually buy into Medicare. So with how does that a, help an, farmers? Well, they could buy their own health care at an affordable rate when they're 55. Yeah, but not when they're like 28 trying to. No, start. but so in the Minnesota version of that would be a Minnesota care buy-in. Alternatively, they actually proposed a bill last time to have the last session to have like a state like a Minnesota public option. Hmm. Which I would I think that it would work much better in a national level. So when you but say I don't think buy-in, we buy-in. Mm-hmm. 
uh, what you pay the monthly premium that, that to so Minnesota Care. Minnesota Care would would generate. They would just they would figure out this is what the co- this should cost somebody, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily subsidized. Yeah, exactly. But, but this you're is... being able to buy access into this system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which right now, like uh, people who are who have really high healthcare costs are kind of put in this like high-risk pool, if you've mm-hmm. heard that word before. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so, like, it tends to be more expensive for that type of health care. But if you had normal people or less or more healthy people, we'll say. Yeah. Not that normal. Was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you had healthy people with the option to buy in, yes. you know, you could lower those costs and it wouldn't be a high-risk pool. And sure. the, the state would have um, a better opportunity to negotiate. And um, could control could control costs a little bit better, and probably even just not not even requiring such a big healthy pool, um, but also just a bigger pool. Like if you're buying into private insurance, that's already you know a smaller group that's not like corporately. Um, yeah, insur- you know. So well, like, and that was the hope with the whole like Obamacare, yeah, Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act sort of penalty was that you need healthy people to buy in order to pay for it Mm -hmm. but like that's not working obviously people are really upset about it because they get health care that they can't use (laughs) they buy they pay two hundred dollars a month and they still can't afford to go to the doctor yeah you're paying two hundred dollars a month yeah right which is not a crazy thing you're like oh i don't go to the doctor now i have to pay two hundred dollars to not go to the doctor so healthcare access for farmers? Yeah. Um, for farmers like me, it is um, access to capital and access to land, which are both. And when you say farmers huge. like me, is that like small farmers? Yes. Okay. Small new farmers. New farmers. Yeah. Sure. So mm-hmm. uh, the thing that we talk about a lot in the farm community, if you're my age, is um, sort of the what's going to happen with the transition of farmland once people start retiring sure. from farming. And like, let's be honest, farmers like never retire. They like yeah. just, they, <laughs> <laughs> they like plow till so they're true. like 85. Right. So like what, but what happens when like, they're like, oh, I want to do this for fun and not be fully responsible for my operation. Because what's really happening is like, what used to be a thing where you'd pass it on generationally, those kids are leaving. Like, yeah, you're seeing the, you know. So what happens is a lot of that farmland is owned by different people that don't necessarily live in rural communities, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing because it's good to have a lot of different people invested in your agricultural system. Sure. But it is also really challenging to have an operation where you don't have uh, like a home base and you, or you don't have some amount of land that you own yourself that you can you rely control. on every, every year. Yeah, control's a great word because like when we talk about like conservation practices, it is really tough to start doing long-term conservation practices if you don't own that piece of land. Why would you do that? You wouldn't. That's a crazy thing. Sure. I wouldn't. Would I put fence up on a piece of land I didn't own? No, I would not. I was going to, I was just going to say, for all of the rest of the people, what, what, I was going to you just <laughs> gave me like, give me a couple of, what is that even, because I hear that even like I listen to the radio and talk about NPR and they're like, oh, farm conversation. I'm like, I don't know what that means. What is farm converse? conservation conservation so fencing yeah so like one like putting up or trying no-till practices or strip-till practices okay you know that takes a while to pay off if you can get it to if you can get it to work and a lot of people have tried it and they're like oh that didn't work for me which is fine but would you try it if you didn't own that land and you might not have it no you would not do that sure um so it's like and and i really think the thing that's exciting is that like new i think our old farmers did a great job 
I know that they had a lot of different challenges and sometimes we critique them for a lot of different things, but they did a really good job of producing a lot of food Mm -hmm. off of not Mm -hmm. a whole lot of land. I think that's something that's really important Mm -hmm. to recognize. Um, I also think that people who are starting to farm now have like, like a long period that their practices can pay off over a long return on investment. So that allows them to make different types of investments. Yeah. And I think that that's really exciting. They're also really literate with technology. And there are a lot of cool things you can do with technology right now um, to help you make better farming decisions. Like not drive the tractor. (laughs) No, not even that. Just like. Have you seen that? Yeah. No. So one thing. It's amazing. So like, yeah. Like, self-driven cars is not new for people who farm. I know. The farmers are like, we've been doing this for 20 years. We just (laughs) hit the button. I put it in the thing and then. So if you want to talk about technology adoption and getting people to adopt new practices on their farm, like, RTK was like, like, super quick. Everybody wanted self-driving tractors because it was super useful. She said RTK? Yeah. What is that? That's like self-driving tractors? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Admittedly. Don't know what it's. So you threw it out there. I'm like. And I feel like I should know that. Yeah, RTK, and then I'm gonna be googling it later. Self-driving tractors. Yes, yeah, a self-driving retro it's like tractor. GPS for your yeah, tractor. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> self-driving. All right, you got it. Anyways, so yeah, super useful. If it makes your life easier, you're gonna do it. And that's a lesson we should take when we're asking them to do other things. Is this practice gonna make your life easier or harder? Sure. Anyway, so yeah, that's a big one. Look, and I don't know if there's anything the state can do to address that. I think the state needs to be aware of it. I also think that. There's going to be this interesting dichotomy where young farmers are going to be trying to purchase land and capital, mm. um, but also people who have farmed forever want to be able to retire with dignity, and they want to get paid what their land and and, and you know their tractors are worth. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we address that? You know, yeah. And I don't necessarily have the answer, but it's something we need to pay attention to. So. Yeah. Um, so since you brought up healthcare, I'm just going to ask that question. Um, Minnesota, um, you know, not just for farmers, but kind of statewide, we do have safety nets compared to other states. We have some pretty good safety nets in mm-hmm. place in terms of healthcare, um, but we still have people who go bankrupt for medical bills, um, people without insurance at all. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people who don't seek help because they can't afford it. So what do you suggest like at the state level, like how can we build on what we have? Because we do have some good things. How mm-hmm. can we build on that? Or what would you suggest adding or doing differently? Yeah. So I think that doing things like we did that the legislature did last year with the um, diabetes sort of legislation that went through. The, in, the, insulin, the insulin. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, not necessarily. Well, diabetes. I mean, it's I'm just. People who like the insulin legislation. Yes. Right. Thank you. Um, just like so you have a life saving medication that you need to take every month in order to stay alive. Do we want that to bankrupt you? No, we don't want that to bankrupt you. And so what we did is we limited the amount of money you had to pay per month, and we helped fund that through pharmaceutical company. It's like a penny a pill, like the equivalent of penny a pill, pill. but for lead for insulin. Um, and so like, how can we help like the system work better by making sure that the costs are spread equally? And right now they are not spread equally, which is why the penny a pill bill, which for those people who don't know, would be a good idea. So it's the um, companies and pharmaceutical companies who do sell opiates to people for pain management would then pay a penny a pill in order to fund like rehabilitation and like addiction treatment programs which is a really good idea yeah makes sense (laughs) yeah which but you know there is like they're very um 
the people who work against that type of legislation have a lot of time and they have a lot of money. And so your everyday people who have normal lives, who live three hours away from the legislature, don't have time to go down to the Capitol and spend as much time talking to their legislators about how important those types of um, bills are, how important those types of sort of funding systems are. Sure. so yeah, that's that's one thing. I think we need to pay more attention to that. I also think that um, transparency in healthcare is really important. It's something that we're moving towards slowly. I think through when I had my old form of insurance, and maybe for this one, I know that I could go and figure out what something was going to cost me before beforehand. I went in. Um, that needs to be much more common. It's very common in a lot of other countries. You mm-hmm. know what your copay is going to be before you go in. I don't know why we don't have that. It's well, it's because our healthcare costs are like super convoluted. Yes. Yeah. And it's a mess. It's because they don't know well, they what your copay is going to be until they run it through the system. My theory is that a lot of people are making a lot of money off having it be this way. <laughs> oh, for sure. So they have no incentive to change it, and so I think I think we need to change it, and legislation to change it's going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, transparency. It's good. <laughs> what? Be, I was just, I was just thinking about like, cause my, my version of it is that I think there's a lot of people who, they don't want anybody to look behind the curtain cause it's such a mess back there. They're like, we don't actually know what we've been doing for the last 40 years. Then nobody can look back here cause nobody can, <laughs> it's not just about the money. It's like, it's so screwed up back here. We can't even let you look. I think it's a lot about the money. I said just. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a little bit of a mess and a lot about the money. Or uncle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right, we're gonna we gotta we're gonna we're gonna wrap. What? Well, no, we're not. We're gonna keep going. Well, do you have more. a lot of questions, and we I want to know what they are. Okay. All right, we're gonna we're never gonna wrap. Mike's no. gonna sit down and just <laughs> let it know. Uh, well, we t- well we'll just move down the list then because we might have to edit some of it. Yeah, now. we're gonna have to, gonna but go for it. Um. Affordable housing. Um, no, no, just wait. You skipped one. Never mind. As it's... we're talking about healthcare, mental health. Oh, so important. I thought you already talked about that. No, we didn't. Never. I said. I she mentioned it in passing. It. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Earlier, you mentioned in passing. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thanks, concerned Mike. about healthcare in rural Minnesota. Would you like to tell? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. The red. Yes. Um, yeah. What can we be doing better for, for mental health? Only very recently did we start thinking that it was important enough to cover universally, I think, with healthcare coverage. I think that's a really important first step. People's healthcare coverage should cover their mental health care needs, and it should not bankrupt them. It should be affordable to talk to somebody. If you need to talk to somebody, it should be affordable to see a therapist. It should be affordable to get your um, your medications in order to treat your mental health disorder. Um, do we have, I, I, I don't know this, so I'm asking if you guys know, like, uh, like we have supports for critical access, like critical healthcare access, like hospitals and stuff like that, but small rural towns, oftentimes they get funding from the mm-hmm. state because they're a critical access sure. facility. Yes, like, do sure. we have something comparable in Minnesota that w- that addresses health or mental health? Do you have any? Well, it's I don't, like you're not an hospitals are the de facto mental health treatment right. institutions. I, oh, I guess I don't know when I never thought about it that way. Well, yeah. and I think just like specifically we need to address mental health, but in rural communities, like access to mental right. health care is a huge struggle. I mean, we, you know, some places don't call Fergus Falls rural anymore because we have, you know, a whopping 13,000 people. Um, so according to some metrics, you know, we might not be rural, but like access to mental health 
even here, like in that big of a community. Um, so like, what can we do specifically for rural? Because the crisis of like farmers and mental health and like, you know, domestic violence in, in rural areas, whatever, like mental health is a real big problem specific to like there are specific needs in rural communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that access is definitely lacking. Yeah. So one thing that one thing I campaigned on in 2018 was actually increasing access to tele, telemedicine, like telehealth. So getting services through your computer mm-hmm. um, in order to not go. And they're like 75 percent cheaper than like in person services. services. Yeah. Also way more accessible. But like so I'm like a very unfortunate benefit of COVID is right. that yeah. we've seen that, right? We've seen people switch to that. It's much more normal now to get those services through yeah. your computer. But in order for that to be effective, um, people need to be able to have a computer and an yeah. internet oh. to access mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. provider, right? Yeah. And so, like, that's a really important thing we need to talk about. But people need to get, like, intervention early. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, the outcomes are so much better. And so many fewer people are hurt. And one thing that frustrates me about the conversation around mental health is, like, you can't quantify the distress a person and their family goes through when somebody's really having a problem, and like, having a mental break or really struggling with an addiction. We don't quantify that. And it is so destructive and it hurts people long after the things have actually happened. Um, it's when, so much, when you say don't quantify, what do you mean by we that? We don't put a value... Okay. On, on what a person feels when they go through a challenge like that, when they're struggling with their mental health. We just say, oh, it sucks. It's like, no, the impacts of that are, are far exceeded. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, imagine what a spouse goes through when they need to go to work and also take care of their kids and make sure that their, their, their spouse is, is okay. Is okay. You know, yeah. that is, yeah. we don't quantify that. Mm-hmm. And and that's really tough. And and so then it's tough to actually put money towards it to fund the programs that prevent it. Um, but those are real issues in our community. And so, yeah, I think funding treatment for addiction is important. You know, making sure people have access to their therapist is really important. And normalizing it so that people get treatment early. That's good. Um, okay, so recent events have brought to light or maybe again brought to light minnesota has some of the worst racial disparities in many Mm -hmm. categories in the nation um how do we work to lessen some of those inequalities in housing or healthcare or education or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. yes so this is not new Right. No. No. (laughs) It's been like brought to light again. (laughs) We've been talking about this a lot, like especially after the uh, Floyd. I just forget. I was going to call George. Yes, I was going to call him Andrew again. I know Andrew, (laughs) not Andrew. George. Anyway, we've been talking a lot on the show. We are also reading. We've been doing like sideshow, sideshow. (laughs) (laughs) That might be inappropriate. No, I'm kidding. We're calling them bonus episodes. We're reading through how the How to Be an Anti-Racist together. You are. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I haven't read it. Um, is it good? It's really good. It I'm is. I'm planning it's, on ordering it. It's mm-hmm. pretty It's pretty hefty, but it's good. It's, anyway, um, so we, I don't know. Why am I telling you all this? Because we've been talking about it a lot. And mm-hmm. and you you said because it's not new, but it's one of those things where, like, I've lived here my whole life. I lived in Minnesota my whole life, and it was pretty new to me. And, oh. then, I, and then as we start talking about it and reading about it, I'm like, oh, apparently this is, like, thing no it's been around a while yeah yeah i think the most important thing we can do is listen to the communities that are being affected by these issues 
and ask them what they need and help them get those things before tragedies happen. Tragedies come in a lot of different forms. Tragedies come in somebody being killed by the police. Tragedies also come in overdoses or people being evicted and things like that. And so let's listen and hear what they need because why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we care about our neighbors who are struggling? Why, why, why don't we care about that? We need to care about that and we need to be proactive about addressing it. And unfortunately, we haven't been because, um, you know, our, you know, our laws and our policies are based off our political system, right? And it has been um, predominantly white. And so it's really hard. Uh, you're going to advocate for your own best interests, and that's not irregular mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily bad. But it is important for us to take a step back and look at how we can help others mm-hmm. or how we can give others the dignity of being able to help themselves. So, yeah, let's li- listen to what they need. I think that, that they pl- passed a police reform bill this morning. It was this morning. You, th- mm-hmm. you, po- you posted it on Facebook, so I think you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it was like, I don't yeah. know if it was last night at like 11 p.m. or this oh, morning at 1 a.m. Uh, I got it. Okay. But like, She's tech. like, I love it. But anyways, at some point at in some the last point, 24 hours, the Minnesota passed legislature one. passed a really like comprehensive, it, like a lot of people say it needs to go further, but it's right. the most comprehensive reform bill we've had in a really long time. And that really looks at how we can actually make things better. It was led by the people of color and indigenous people's caucus in the DFL. Mm-hmm. So we listened to what they needed and we tried to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's do that for other things, you know? Yeah. Let's listen to people when they say, hey, um, black women are not getting treated the same at hospitals when they're giving birth to their children. Mm-hmm. Like, let's listen to them when they say that. Why are, why, are, why are we arguing with them? Right. You know, let's not do that. Let's say, hey, oh, that's Especially pretty messed up. Data. Like, when you can say black women are this much more likely to die in childbirth or right after, like, we have, we have data on that. Like, yeah, but data doesn't move people. (laughs) Right, right. But like, I mean, it's not like, they're not making it up, you know, like we, we can see that in, in numbers, right? Like, so like, I can believe your story because here's all kinds of research telling me that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why would I not listen? It's dumb. (laughs) Well, you have to like be able to (laughs) self-actual, like it's, what is that self-actualization? Like, do you, do you have what you need in order to be successful? Because if not, it's going to be really hard to help other people get what they need mm, in order sure. to be successful. Mm-hmm. So we have to, but we have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to get everybody what they need and then also listen to people who also are like, hey, this is messed up. Can mm-hmm. you please help us change it? And yes, we can because it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Um, affordable housing, you mentioned evictions. And um, so we'll just slide right into affordable housing. <laughs> um, continues to be a problem. Um, and even in rural areas, the cost of housing is kind of ridiculous sometimes. Or just um, like non-existent. Right. There are no there, there's not there's any no housing. Um, and Underwood, you can go there. Yeah, no. Do you know a lot of apartment No, I'm just asking you the way you moved to Underwood. So, and I think, um, I think this has been brought to light again, um, because of the pandemic and because of like job loss Mm -hmm. and, you know, evictions are expected to just be horrific, um, in the aftermath of that. Um, but also like just for me anyway, learning more, um, as I'm reading all of these stories about the tent caps in Minneapolis after the protests and that whole thing. So what can we do? What, what should we do to ease that problem of affordable housing? Yeah. 
that's like ubiquitous across the state. So right. it's something mm-hmm. we. It's kind of ubiquitous across the country. Yeah, we actually, but we're like narrowing our focus. I know. Sorry, I'm just. I just want local, wanna... not national. We're actually probably like because of the weather extremes we face, are probably less impacted by things like homelessness because people just people. There are there's less homeless people in. Well, yes. the way that we see homelessness <clears throat> in Minnesota is couch surfing and not necessarily. Right. It's not right. public. Tent can- or like people out on the right. street, right? Because you wouldn't survive the winter. No. Yeah. And so, and people are, of course, out on streets, but the more, I think it's more common for people to couch surf and mm-hmm. be like, hey, can I crash here? If not, where can I go? Anyways. So I think the first important part of that is like, of, can we, do people, is there a supply shortage? Is, does it, does it exist here? And if not, how do we help it exist here? And there's like, if there was a good answer to this question, like, <laughs> I think we would have done it because, like, literally everybody needs affordable housing. Um, again, I'm open to all sorts of solutions. Like, there are publicly funded investments. There are private-public partnerships. You know, um, there are publicly – so you have, like, pub, I'm talking about construction, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, your publicly funded sort of assistance payments that also can help people afford health care or afford a housing. Yeah, um, like Section 8 kind of. Sure. Yeah. And so then you also have ways of helping people to just be able to afford to live in a place, right? Are they making enough money? Are they underemployed? Do they have enough hours at their employer to be able to pay for their housing? Mm-hmm. Um do they work a seasonal job? Do they have seasonal income? Can we address that in the way that they sort of pay their bills? Um, I don't know. That's a really tough one. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's exacerbated in rural Minnesota. I mean, in rural communities too, partially because we're so spread out. Like if you're, I don't know, if you're in a, in a more metro area where you're going to, you can put developments up together. There's, some efficiencies there. So sure. Like you can't just build a bunch of high rises in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Phelps mill sure. and be like, well, there's Ottertail County has plenty of avail- available, affordable yeah. housing now, yeah. but mm-hmm. you now have to drive two hours to get to your job mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever it is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that there's a need to actually like fund the construction of ha- housing. I think that that's a need. I think there's a need to help people to assist people in paying for their housing. I think that's a need. I also think there's a need to prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place. And all those three needs should be addressed, mm-hmm. you know, because I think like it's a ridiculous number of homeless people are actually like veterans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a lot of homeless people are veterans who are dealing with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Do we really want veterans out on the street? No, I, I, I didn't say it fast enough. I should have said no faster. Absolutely not. I know, there was a pause. You now. paused. Somebody... What does that mean? You're the reason that this hasn't been fixed yet. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Oh, my no. goodness. So let's fix that. Let's mm-hmm. do better. And there have been programs that are saying uh, in different countries or in different cities across the state that have said we are not going to let veterans be homeless mm-hmm. who have met that goal. Mm-hmm. How do we model that? How do we say we don't want children to be yeah. homeless? Mm-hmm. How do we? How do we model that after them? So it's super interesting. I think like when you look at how we stepped in for the elderly population who used to be Mm -hmm. the largest percentage of poor and we, okay, like here's social security, here's Medicare, that kind of thing. And now we have kids as the largest percentage of those in poverty in our country. Like anyway, should be a little bit more gut wrenching than we're seemingly thinking Mm -hmm. that it is. Um, You talked a little bit about education as like one of your main drivers for, you know, why 
you believe in the DFL, why you're running. Um, we have a large opportunity gap in education in our state. Um, what do you think can be done to help schools, especially in rural areas where funding isn't so great? Yeah, well, and it's really tough because, like, it's really different in urban communities, in suburban communities, because, you know, they pass levies at higher rates and their schools are just, you know, it's based, your, a lot of your school funding is based on your property taxes, right? So, yep. like, they just have more, like, properties available to tax and mm-hmm. they also have higher value, higher value property, values. properties. Right. So, they're just paying with higher, with people with higher income jobs that can afford to pay those types of things. Yeah. Anyways, which is something that we don't necessarily have in um, parts of rural Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, a, sig- a significant amount of funding also comes from the state. And so I think that there's also, is it, this is a values thing right here for me. Like, do we want children in rural Minnesota to have the same opportunities as children in other parts of Minnesota? And I think the answer is yes, obviously, because people from, like, children from rural Minnesota have a different set of skills and values that they can bring to our communities and our nation. And so yeah. we want them to be successful, too. And so I, I think we don't get a lot of national funding for education. It's very little. Yeah. Um, so I think it really is the role of the state to step in and make sure those are equal. We've seen, like, like precipitous drops, drop-offs mm-hmm. in the education. Well, in the taxes that fund the general fund that funds education for example like you know we've seen different taxes on like tobacco products get reduced in the past couple of sessions and so like that reduces the general fund that we need to make cuts that we can't invest in kids and that's really tough so yeah so at the state level to increase some of that funding Mm -hmm. i think that's the only answer yeah In, in in it's a really good thing to invest in your children's education yeah you know, I should say yes faster. Yeah, you should. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, investing in the children. They are our future. <laughs> they are. Like, do there you want a, a well-educated it. person cooking your food and taking care of you when you are older? Yeah. Absolutely. What? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I didn't say it fast enough. Goodness. <laughs> and they can't do that if they don't have the resources. Like, you can't have compassionate care if people are concerned about whether or not their own lives are going to be okay. You wow. know. You can, but it's harder. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, pay your nursing home employees more. <laughs> Sorry, just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where's all the money gonna come from? <laughs> well, apparently, we can pull it out of thin air, guys. We yes. don't. We don't need a plan. No, I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic, but really. Are we gonna cut the part out where she says I'm kidding and being sarcastic? Or are we gonna leave that part? Out? <laughs> Totally leaving that, that in. Part. We're gonna try. Why, we're gonna why would we? In. Yeah. No. No, but that's what I learned this year from that, COVID. That you can just make money out of thin air. Yeah. Not at the state level. Well, we'll we'll make sure we get our fair share at the national level. Really? Well, is that what? If I have to go if there, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to the state <laughs> legislature and then make sure we get our quote unquote fair share. Well, I just am like I'm like if we're gonna if we're gonna make a bunch of money exist, why? That's a whole we, other show. We really, can we use that to like make sure people can get their fixed bone their bones fixed and like kids can eat at school. Yeah. Sorry, that's cr- that crazy. Modern idea. monetary theory, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Oh yeah. We've, we've not, talked about that a little bit. Okay. Okay. Wrap it, wrap it up. Oh no, I get to wrap it yeah. up. You got to ask your <laughs> eight more no. questions. And... Right, that was all of the no, questions. No, that's good. I think we made it to the bottom of our list. I think there's one more. Very on. comprehensive. Um, what? 
I want to know what makes you the best candidate for the job. Oh. Um, oh. If somebody like Mike. I cut that off, didn't I? No, I no. want you. Yeah, I want you to say it. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it, that's what it was. Yeah. That's my last question? Go, I'm no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am very confused. Right? Yes, you should be because we are we are as well. We're... We edited a lot of these on the fly and like right before yeah. you came and, and whatever it is. But one of the questions that I we I decided that we should stick in there for, for both sides. So generally, I mean, generally speaking, Tammy falls on the more liberal end of the spectrum and I fall on the more conservative end of the spectrum. And so... As you are a candidate in our area, like what makes you like as a more conservative voter, why should I vote for you and not and not Mr. Jordan? (laughs) So that's a good question. Um, I think you should vote for me because I live here. I have lived here. (laughs) Um, I care deeply for the people who live here. I've lived the challenges of transportation and finding health care and finding a high-paying high job or a good-paying job or a job that will support your family. I understand what it's like to pay, like, property taxes in this community. I know what my property taxes are going for. I know I have a $55 fee that I pay bi-yearly in order to fund our recycling, our Ottertail County Recycling. That's an important program, and You're I like care the about it. You're the person I know who knows the recycling fee. Nice. <laughs> well, well, it's important. Yes. It's like, do you like being able to go and drop your milk, milk jugs off? No. You don't. You don't like that. I don't. I have a green can. <gasps> you have one. You guys we get have universal res- oh. multi-sort. Wow. Uh, yeah, one that's can. right. I mean, so they don't take very many sort. things. But Whatever. I put it all in there. I, you know. <laughs> You're part I of the do. problem. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you are. focusing yes. on, you're convincing me, but yes. Yeah, so I, like, understand the issues that we face here, and I care deeply for the people who live here. I moved here to be a farmer. I did not move here to be a politician. I'm running for office because I think that there are issues that need to be addressed, and I am well-equipped to do that. Um, I think that we need somebody down in the state legislature that has um, compassion. I think we need someone down there who's going to be a really hard worker. And I think that we need someone down there who's going to deliver for our community. And I think that I'm that person. Boom. All right, then. I mean. You were ready for that one. I didn't give you that ahead of time. But you were ready for that she question. Knows. That was good. Yeah. You, I'm very How many calm. times did you say that on the phone, on your on your Never. Cold that calling? never comes up. Never. What? No. If I promise, if you ever accidentally cold okay. call me. I will ask you that. Are question. you a registered voter? Because I can find your number. Of course, I'm a it's registered. It's probably your home phone number. You think I will have a podcast like this and we talk about politics all the time and have the you guys on and I'm not a registered oh, voter? I don't really Surprise. vote. I don't really vote. <laughs> that would be really. There are yeah. many people. Yeah. No. Who are too many people don't. And there are many people I know who are shockingly planning to sit this one out. Really? Yes. Interesting. Because they can't stomach one. Or the other. They can't stomach either of them oh. or whatever it is. Or mostly do you like, think it's like, I can't stomach one and I don't want to cross party lines and vote for the other. Like, yeah, I think it's This one would that. probably be okay, but I'm not going to vote for another color, anyway. you know? What do you say to those people about down-ballot races? What I tell them they're crazy. I mean, well, I, Oh, that's Yeah, really, no, no, no. That's not a good... You're not going to have I'm not running for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you can't, you can't just step off the, the train and be like, nah, I'm going to sit this one out. Anyway, no, you have to vote. That's required. There are a lot of nonpartisan races in our communities. Yes, there is. And there are, I don't think we have any ballot measures this year in Fergus Falls. I don't think we have. Uh, no, but that's always, a th- that's always a thing too. But there's also, I mean, like, and that's one of the things that's fun to have you on and, and to have Jordan on and stuff is to dig into this kind of stuff because people 
are energized and motivated by the national crap, right? Mm -hmm. Like on either side, whatever it is. But the closer, this is when we talk about, like we were talking, talk about my version of conservatism is sort of like the closer you get to the the people, um, the more uh, important it is. I mean, so like you, uh, the seat that you and Jordan are running for is actually more impactful and important to me as Mike Thorson lives in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, than like whoever ends up being, well, maybe president. I don't know if that's it. But you know what I mean? Even in in Congress. Mm -hmm. um, So it's more important. And then you have city council and you got school boards and all that. All that stuff matters. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's what I tell them. I tell them that. First, I tell them they're crazy and they're stupid. (laughs) And then I tell them. First, you attack. And then. Yeah. You should run for (laughs) office. It's good for you. (laughs) It's really good for. I swear it's good for you. <clears throat> Are you saying I need some work? Well, <laughs> some softening, maybe. No, it's just like you can practice. You can practice all of your ideas over the course of a campaign. You get Ugh. to see which one works. It's a lot of rejection. <laughs> it, you know what? It is a lot of rejection. It's a lot of rejection. Maybe it would be good, good for, for you, me. Though. Is it? Yeah. Uh, gross. Oh, <laughs> can I ask you a question, Mike? Yes, As ma'am. A, uh, or both of you? No. So you probably <gasps> each have people in your life don't agree with you politically mm-hmm. right how do you address <laughs> how does that impact your personal relationships and what Holy do you do moly. to address it and where you does know? your heart live where it's a are you sure you don't have your own yeah. show yeah it's a big should. it's important no i forgot what how did, what was the question you probably have people in your yes, lives who disagree here. with you politically mm-hmm. and that it? how does that affect your personal relationships and what are those relationships still important to you if if so, how do you maintain them and strengthen them, knowing that they disagree with you on some like really important things? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. Are you going I, first? Well, sure. I, you. I mean, I don't care. Um, no, I think for sure. Um, definitely how have de- people. How do you deal with me, Tammy? Definitely have people <laughs> that I don't agree with. Um, I I think Mike is actually crossing over. Um, because no, he, <laughs> we agree a lot more than I would have expected, but like, I don't there, think Mike is actually a very good example of somebody who no, we no, disagree no. with. No, um, <laughs> Sorry. So, wow. but, but there are, but there are people in my life, um, maybe in my family and even some friends that like, for example, are still supporting this president. Um, so definitely very strongly disagree with each other. And I have found that there are a few, a few of those people, like you just, you just have to know that you can't talk about it, um, sadly, because there are people that are so entrenched, like, you can't have a healthy conversation or they're, they're not able to have a healthy conversation. Um, and so I just, I just have to be able to just not. <laughs> so I do a lot of, like, biting my tongue um, at certain family dinners. Seems healthy. I mean, to maintain the, to maintain the relationship, right. when, the relationship it, when it is family, enough. when it is family, I think to maintain some of mm-hmm. those relationships, I have to be able to um, ignore some of that. I've invited them to listen to our podcast. So <laughs> how's but, that going? I mean, get any feedback? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, but I think like um, learning and hopefully like that's what we're trying to model is how to have respectful conversations with people when you disagree Mm -hmm. um and we have heard that from some people like that we are doing that Mm -hmm. right so i think just working on those skills um and i don't know if you can tell this in the short time that you've been with us but that's not easy for either one of us (laughs) 
like that's not our natural bend, right? Our natural um, position is you're, you're stupid. Right? Yeah. No. So, so I mean, so it is something that we're working on, like, and we are both um, working on that. Yeah. I mean, me more than you, but we're working on it. Ouch. Is that because <laughs> totally I don't need sarcastic. as much? I don't, no. I don't need as you much You need work. more. No, because I'm already better at it. Um, yeah. So. It's a lot. Of, I guess the the answer to that is uh, the, the many. I could probably use all the same all the words. I want different Cheater, words. Yeah. Different words. Um, it's to be completely honest. So people and that are. Um, it just takes a lot more work. It's actually a lot like what you're talking about when you're doing door knocking, right? Like it's a lot of listening. And so I will use, like there are a few people in my life that I really really don't connect with on that level. But we can have some really good conversations, but it takes a long time. It's exhausting. Because most of the time I have to do a lot of listening. There's almost like to the point where like we can, if, you, if you're talking about a subject, an issue or whatever, I have to allow for them to expel all of their words first. And then two things happen. One is they feel like they were heard. So that's helpful. Um, and, and then two, they sort of run out and then, and then you can, but it's not combative. And it's also kind of, those are different though, when you're talking about people who are important in your, in your life, because those are long-term relationships. Like these are conversations that I've been having for years with people Mm -hmm. that you don't have the, you don't have that luxury (laughs) necessarily with just other people where I can wait it. I, we can wait it out and we can do that, whatever it is. I don't know. So that's, I mean, it just takes a, it's a lot of listening. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, yeah, funny thing about, you know, like, I don't think that's what Mike is. I had, uh, I, th- I think I retold this on a previous podcast because we were talking about conservative and liberal and I was having a, discussion with a friend of mine who's farther on the conservative spectrum than i am and they're like you're not even a conservative and i'm like yes i am and they're like no no and and then the there was a mediator who knew both of us who was like uh hold on you my friend she's like you're conservative for georgia Mike is conservative for Minnesota. Like, they're not the same necessarily. And so anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like, there are definitely very conservative, conservative Minnesotans too. But I think, generally speaking, conservative Minnesotans are not the same breed as others. I once dated a conservative European. He was very much like He would have been like, he's practically, I was just going to say, he's probably a communist. Like, I mean, it was like, like... so yeah, the liberals are socialists over there, and the conservatives are communists. They, that's how it works. You're anyway, just that's just real great. Okay, Bacon. On that note, <laughs> on that, on that note, note, um, do you have any other questions? No. Yeah, okay. Do you have any other deep uh, penetrating no, conversations? But thank um, you guys so much. This has actually yes. been really fun. Oh, Not great. like actually, but like. <laughs> not actually actually, not actually. I just like said i wasn't that expecting it but right. i had fun you're not surprised Good. that it was fun it was actually fun yeah literally 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 mm-hmm. did you so, literally have a good time i'm so okay. excited so we want to give you the last word. oh yeah right mm-hmm. sorry you're welcome and thank you and thank you yeah and maybe uh, we'll see how things shake out maybe we'll have you back on that'd be great i, I mean because it's a party yeah let's pick something f- Farming? 
farming, please? Agriculture? I would have to do a lot of studying. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I could do a whole episode about no-till farming. Yeah, that's a different show. No, okay, not (laughs) for here. Okay, all right, all right. Farming as it relates to current events or politics. Or or social issues. That would be, we would have to tie in. Uh, You were going to ask, so we like to give you, because you're our guest, we like to just give you the, like, if there's, she's like, for the listening audience, she's contorting your face right now. Like, I can't believe you would do that to me. Sorry, how did we phrase it? We phrased it as, what is one thing you as a candidate for Minnesota House of Representatives would like to say to our community, speaking into the specific moment we're living in? Oh my gosh. Right. Where does your heart live? Oh my, well. Mic drop. (laughs) Um, what do I want to say to people living through this current moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No pressure. None. No. I think what I would like for people to do or know or practice is patience. That's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, there are a lot of things happening right now in our initial reaction is to go very forcefully in one direction uh, to the exclusion of all else. And in some cases, I think that's appropriate. Like, obviously, people should not be getting killed by the police. Fair, right? But um, how, how does jumping to that right away affect the way that we can talk about those conversations, talk about those issues, right? Can you take a moment, take a deep breath, and actually hear where someone's coming from or not? You know? That's, that's my ask for people who live here. Patience. If, are you being, when you approach an issue, are you being intentionally obtuse? Are you intentionally not understanding where the other person is coming from? Because it, 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 it allows you to, to sort of protect where you feel. If you really needed to find the answers to the questions you're asking, could you find them without someone else telling them to you? So, thank you. Yeah. That's good. All right. Okay. On that note, thank you so much for being here and joining us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. This was great. All right. right. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Flyover Logic. This is Mike and Tammy saying that even if you don't have time to land here, we're glad you found time to listen.